We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 19. The book of John, chapter 19 tonight. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about suffering. Uh, John, chapter 19. Uh, I want to begin reading there in verse number 30. The Bible says, When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Just a reminder that Jesus gave up his life. Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. Uh, Jesus wasn't murdered uh, in the sense that others did this to him. Jesus allowed this to happen and he gave his life. But continue reading there in verse 31. It says, The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Uh, so the religious Jews are demanding that the bodies be taken down. And just so you understand here in verse number 31, when it says that it was a high Sabbath day, that was talking about the day of Easter. Easter was the day that the Jews celebrated when the angel passed over the homes in Egypt and the angel would look for the blood over the doorways. And as you know, if the angel f- saw the blood, that he would not kill the, the firstborn child in that family. But if there was no blood there of a lamb, that the firstborn would die. And so that was the Passover. And so that was what we would call Easter. Uh, and so that was what the Jews celebrated on the Easter holiday. And then as we move forward into the modern days, we know that Jesus died during that same week. Many people don't realize that, but that Jesus actually died during the time of Easter. And so what Jesus did, there's always a lot of symbolism with the things that God does. But God, uh, it's very interesting to see how God at the beginning with the Egyptians and the Jews, He had that lamb and the blood over the door and the angel came through. And if the blood was covering them, that they wouldn't be in uh, in. Uh, in danger of, of perishing there. But then, of course, when Jesus comes in His day, Jesus is the Lamb, that Jesus died. And of course, we know all the connections with salvation there, and you must be saved. You have to have the blood of Jesus covering you in order to be saved. And so there's a lot of connection between uh, Easter and, and what they would say in Spanish as Pascua, and that, that also is, is kind of how it is in Hebrew. But there's a connection between that and the Old Testament and the time of Jesus. So anyway, there was a, uh, uh, this is a high holy day, a very special day. And Jesus, He is the Lamb on this week. He is the Lamb on this Easter. Jesus died uh, and He gave His life. And so, and of course, now we celebrate Easter as the day that He rose from the dead. But uh, the Jews celebrated it as that time in Israel, uh, in, I'm sorry, in Egypt when the uh, the plagues were there, and that was what they celebrated. And so this week here, when Jesus was being crucified, this was a very important week. Another interesting fact to know here is that that high holy day was actually on a Friday. And so the Sabbath day was their normal Sabbath day that they always celebrated. But this time of year, when Easter would come for the Jews, they would celebrate it uh, in on the Friday. They would celebrate that day as Easter, and then there would be Sabbath. So there was actually two uh, Sabbath days where they 
would rest. So anyway, there's, there's a lot there, but I'm trying to paint the picture for you so that you can see what's taking place. There's a, a lot going on here in this passage, but continue reading. Uh, the Jews are in a hurry to, to get their holiday season started. They want to they go ahead and kill Jesus and get Him out of the way, and, and they want to move on to the celebration and, and kind of forget about that. They want the people, they want the, the society of the Jews to stop thinking about Jesus. They kind of they want to erase Him from people's minds. As we continue reading there in verse number 32, Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with Him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that He was dead already, they break not His legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced His side, and forthwith came there out blood and water, and he that saw it bear record. Of course, John, he's being very humble. He's not saying, he's not throwing his name into the, to the passage. He's saying he's speaking in the third person, but he's saying, look, the, the guy that saw this, he's telling you that this was true. And so that's what John is saying there. And he says, uh, he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. He's basically saying, guys, I'm not lying about this. I was there. I saw this happen, and he knoweth that he say it true, that ye might believe. So John is saying, hey, I'm telling you this. I'm writing this because I want you to believe it. I want you to believe the story. I was there. I saw it. The Bible is not a book of fantasy. The Bible is not invented by men. Many people believe that. Yes, God used men, but we have to understand that they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God was guiding them. God was speaking through them. And of course, like... Any other thing in this world, no matter what belief it is, it always requires faith of some kind. God requires us to believe by faith. None of us were there 2,000 years ago, uh, ago to see this. None of us were there at the beginning. No scientist saw the Big Bang. No, no one saw the, the creation that the Bible talks about in Genesis 1. It's all by faith. And so John here is speaking and he's trying to encourage us. And he's saying, look, guys, I was really there. I really saw this. Of course, we as Christians, we do believe that. And we know that it was true. We know that Jesus did die. We know that in our hearts, what he's done in our lives. And, and we know that. But as we continue reading verse number 36, For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken, is what the Scripture said. And then verse number 37, And again, another Scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. So we see here, Scriptures and Old Testament prophecies are being fulfilled. In verse number 36 and 37, the Scriptures are being fulfilled, and, and God is working out His Word, and even the Old Testament is being fulfilled and completed. And uh, that's an amazing thing, just in and of itself. But as we go on, verse 38, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea bringeth the disciple, uh, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And so we see uh, this man, Joseph. Uh, we know this man. Uh, we, we've heard many things about him uh, growing up, but we know Joseph. He was a rather wealthy man. And so the Bible says that secretly he went to the Jews, and, uh, or I'm sorry, he went to Pilate, and he asked for fear of the Jews. He was, he was afraid. And, you know, let's not criticize uh, Joseph here. I mean, any of us would be afraid, and it was, it was normal. It was completely understandable that he would be fearful, uh, considering the fact that Jesus was the leader. Jesus did all these great miracles, and Jesus helped people, but yet they killed Jesus. They, they crucified him. And so it's no surprise that Joseph, obviously he's, 
he's definitely fearful for his life. He knows if they kill Jesus, I mean, they will definitely kill me as well. And so Joseph is there definitely, it's understandable that he goes to Pilate in secret. He, he, he doesn't want to make a big deal out of it. He doesn't want uh, the, the Jews to get involved. He doesn't want the, the people in the town that were against Jesus to get involved. He's just trying to, to get the body of Jesus and he wants to, to have a reverent kind of uh, ceremony there with Jesus and take the body. He's not trying to make a big deal out of it. So I, I give all the respect that we can to Joseph. Certainly, he was a great man of faith in the sacrifice that he did by, by, by taking Jesus and using his own tomb. And, and so listen, we don't criticize him. The Bible does say that he did it in secret, but uh, I mean, remember the disciples weren't even there. Okay, John was the only disciple there. The rest of the disciples had abandoned Jesus. And so I give all the, all the respect I can to Joseph here for what he did. And so the Bible says in verse number 39, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. And Nicodemus brought a, a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Wait, I, I can't imagine that. You're talking about a hundred pounds of perfume that he brought. Continue reading there, verse number uh, 40. Then took they the body of Jesus, wound it in the linen clothes with the spices as the man of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher where it was never man yet laid. And there laid they Jesus, therefore because of the Jews... Preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I, I want to talk about suffering. I, I want you to use your imagination tonight, and I want to zero in here at the, the, the end of this story. I want you to focus in on what it says in verse number 40, verse number 41, verse number 39. I want you to picture in your mind tonight as you're listening, as they take the dead, lifeless body of Jesus. I want you to remember that Jesus' body, imagine that at this moment, I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way, I'm not trying to be irreverent, but certainly you understand that part of the process there was to clean the body. There was a, a certain uh, humility there in all of this as Jesus wouldn't have had His clothes. His body is laid bare there and they could see the, the wounds. Maybe uh, before, that, they, maybe there was wounds that He had that they hadn't noticed before. And as they prepare the body, imagine that His body was completely covered with blood. Certainly we remember the, the Bible says the, the soldiers had grabbed the beard of Jesus and they had pulled His beard out. And, and I imagine His face was completely uh, just destroyed and devastated by the, all of those, those hits. The Bible says that the soldiers would, would punch Jesus in the face. The Bible says that no, they took Jesus and they would hit Him uh, with that, that rod that they, would, they found there and they would, they would make fun of Him. The Bible says that, and, and I certainly picture here in my mind as they're, they're taking this body of Jesus. Certainly the, the crown of thorns was still there. They hadn't, no one had taken that crown of thorns off and so it's still there and the thorns are, are still dug into His scalp. They're dug into His skin. And I, I picture His face. The Bible says that His visage was marred more than any man and, and literally that means that, that we wouldn't even barely recognize that it was a man there on the cross. And, and we understand that, that none of the movies and none of the pictures and none of the paintings can do any justice to what Jesus really looked like. I'm not trying to, 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 to make a, a scene of this or, or disturb anyone, but I, I hope you also understand that 
it's, it's probable that Jesus did not have any clothes on when he was there being crucified. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's so hard to, to picture our Savior going through that embarrassment and going through that shame. But, but we understand that the paintings, a lot of times they will paint the clothes there, obviously. But, but in reality, many people were crucified with nothing on at all. And that was, of course, part of the, the suffering and the shame. And man, I think about Jesus here and, and imagine disciples in that moment. They're, they're, they're seeing His body, all of the, the hits and the bruises and the injuries that are all over Him from being whipped with the, the cat of nine tails. And, and certainly His body is just completely destroyed. And uh, I mean, I can't imagine just the, the, the cuts and scrapes and bruises and just the, the damage that was done to His back. Uh, people say that uh, the, the Roman soldiers, it was possible after 30 uh, lashes with that cat of nine tails that it may have even been possible to see bone and possibly the muscles, the skin would definitely completely be destroyed there on the back. And, 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 and try to picture t- tonight as you think about this, what the disciples, what they were seeing as they carried that lifeless body. And imagine as they grabbed Jesus, His arms just fell down to the side and with no life in them at all. And His legs fell down and they would have to grab His legs. And imagine as they, as they tried to grab His arms and His legs, they would look down and see those, those scars of where those nails were and all the blood that was dried that ran down. And His body is completely mutilated. They carry His body. And there's no life in His body. Jesus is dead. I can imagine that moment as they stood there quiet. Not saying one word. And they began to clean His body and try to prepare Him as the best they could. Jesus has been stabbed in the side here and we know that the Bible says that blood and water ran down and as they try to clean those wounds and prepare His body, I just want you to, you to think for a moment tonight about that moment that those disciples as they were there cleaning His body and, and caring for Him, that was the darkest moment in the history of the world, that was the darkest moment uh, of, the, of the history of the entire uh, mankind. That was the darkest moment there because in their eyes, they had no idea. Uh, really, truly, maybe some will say, oh, they had faith. They knew. Some uh, mentioned Mary that she came early and, and some mentioned the disciples. But, but really, uh, think about it. From a human perspective, all they know is what they see in front of them and they know Jesus is dead. And all they know is, I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know what's coming the next day or the next day. All I know is right here in front of me, Jesus is dead. And I can't imagine what they felt. That heartache. That sadness. I can't imagine what they may have been thinking as they looked over His body and saw what He went through. And I want to remind you that the holiness of God, the holiness of God demanded a holy sacrifice. 
the holiness of God demanded that Jesus Christ, that, that, that He pay, and it was His love that drove Him to do that. It was, it was the holiness of God that demanded a perfect sacrifice, and it was the love of God that drove Him to go to that point where He died. He was dead. You know, a lot of times we think about the cross and we think about the crucifixion, we think about that and then we stop and we don't think about those days that went by. We don't think about those days that went by. Uh, the Bible says that Peter and the rest of the disciples, they, they thought things were over. And, you know, we, we could say, we, we, nobody, no, commentaries can say whatever they want to say. But me and you don't know what they were thinking. We don't know what was in their minds. We know what they did. They went fishing. <laughs> they went back to their old jobs. To me, I think maybe they were hopeful. Maybe they were, they, were, they were hoping. There was a part of them that said, well, we'll see what happens in a few days if Jesus comes back. But there was, of course, the flesh that me and you have as well. And maybe that flesh was there. And I'm sure the flesh was telling them, look, Jesus isn't coming back. And they faced that. They dealt with that. And they, they, they went off doing their jobs. And of course, part of it was they were trying to get their mind off of what they had experienced. And they were trying to get their mind off of the death of Jesus. And they were trying to focus on something else and be distracted in their careers and distracted with money. They were out there fishing and trying to find something to get their mind off of what took place with Jesus. They were probably trying to get away from the Jews because they didn't want to be next. They didn't want to get killed. They didn't want to be under the crosshairs. And I dare say that for a few moments, there's no doubt that some of the disciples lost hope. As they saw His body there, and they put Him in the tomb, they never thought that He'd be coming out. They never thought that He'd come out of that tomb. When they saw that stone roll there, they saw that dead body, they saw the wounds, they said in their mind, maybe they didn't say it publicly, but in their minds, there were some of the disciples, I think about Thomas, he doubted. He, when they told him that it's all Jesus, he said, no, I'm not going to believe until I can touch the scars. I mean, you just think about him, for example. You know in their minds, they thought, man, this is it. He ain't never coming out of here. It's over, guys. It's over. This is done. But oh... Man, Jesus came out of that tomb, guys. And Jesus rose again. And He came back to life. But when, may we never forget that He had to go all the way down. He had to go all the way down to the depths of death. To the grave. Literally. Jesus died and he was if we could say it in a way that may sound it may sound foolish to say it this way but Jesus was so dead he was dead I mean Jesus was so dead I mean dead is dead and Jesus was so dead that there was literally no life in his body he was gone but on the third day, He came back. And you know, Jesus did that for me and you. He did that so that me and you don't have to do it. So that we don't have to suffer. We don't have to die. 
We don't have to pay for our sins. We don't have to suffer in hell. We don't have to, to go through that shame that He went through. We know that life has ups and downs. But if you're a Christian, we're saved. We're going to heaven. And we're going to see one another again. The, our loved ones that we've lost, we'll see them again. We don't have to suffer in hell. We don't have to pay for our sins because Jesus, he went, he went, Jesus, as we said, He was so dead. He paid for our sins. He died so that me and you don't have to. And as we think about suffering tonight, I want you to think about how, man, in this life there is some suffering, but you know what? There's also some suffering they mean you don't have to worry about as Christians. And I want to challenge you tonight. You, maybe you're listening to this and you're not yet saved. You're not a Christian. I want you to understand that God is holy. God cannot let you uh, into heaven. Uh, think about it for a moment. If God put His Son through that, if God allowed that to happen, and God allowed that, and you don't accept what Jesus did for you and you don't accept that sacrifice and you don't believe in Him and you don't cry out to Him and ask Him to forgive you, but yet He died for you and He suffered all of that for you and you don't accept it. How do you think that God is going to let you go into heaven if you don't accept what Jesus did? There was a story of a doctor that was trying to help one of his patients. The doctor was helping this patient and the patient was critically ill. The sick man only had a few months to live and the doctor knew that what that patient needed was a very rare and a very expensive medicine. So the doctor, he said, you know, I'm going to help this man. I'm going to help this patient because if he does not get this medicine, he's not going to survive. So that doctor he began to travel around uh, the country and he had to travel outside the country. He had to travel to several different other areas of the world to, to gather the ingredients and get the needed supplies to, to get that medicine together. And so the story goes that that doctor, as he traveled, he, he began uh, at one point, his son had joined the trip with him. And as they traveled together as father and son, gathering the ingredients of that medicine to save this man, it took several weeks to gather the medicine and as they were traveling, the, the, the airplane had landed and they were running behind and we knew, they knew that the, the sick man at the hospital, he did not have much time left to live. By this time, many weeks had gone by. The doctor, he gathered the medicine. He had all the supplies ready that he needed and so the doctor was rushing as fast as he could. He was driving uh, through the, the traffic there trying to desperately get to the hospital and he was so excited. He was so uh, joyful in his heart. He knew that he was going to be able to save that man. But there in the last few minutes as they were approaching the hospital in all the excitement and all the rush, the doctor missed a red light and his car was hit by another vehicle. In that car accident, the doctor's son was killed. As they were there in the accident and the doctor was trying to care for his son and help him in the accident and take care of him, the, the father, the doctor, he got blood on his clothes from his son. With all that going on, the doctor knew 
If I don't get this medicine to that sick man, we're going to have two deaths today, not just my son. So the doctor, without thinking, he grabs his things uh, there from the car, from the wreckage, and he, the medicine, thankfully, was undamaged. And he grabbed the medicine and he continued on. He made it to the hospital. He got to the room. He, he, he took out the, the medicine from the bags. And as he was about to uh, give the medicine to that sick man, the man laying in the hospital bed, he asked him, he said, what is that blood on your clothes? The doctor said that was the blood. That's the blood of my son. But look, I, I, I don't want to talk about that. I, I don't want to. Look, please, don't, don't worry about that. I just want you to take this medicine. I just want you to live. I want you to be saved. I want you to survive. And, and, and the man, he imagine in your mind that man taking that vial of medicine, that patient there, as he received it from the doctor, his son has died, that he's made all the effort. And imagine that sick man in the bed taking that medicine and he slams it on the ground and he busts that medicine all over the floor and he says, I don't want that medicine. I don't want to take that medicine that you got for me. Here is the doctor. He's worked. He's traveled. He's spent his expenses, his time, his energy. And not only that, but the life of his son was lost. All in an effort to try to get that medicine. And you imagine that man throwing that medicine on the ground and saying, I don't want it. You know, that's what we do when we don't accept Jesus Christ. When we reject Him and we turn from Him and we say, I don't want Jesus, you are just like that man taking that medicine and throwing it slam on the ground and saying, I don't care, I don't want it. There's nothing more disrespectful, nothing more evil and wicked than to do that, than to say, I don't want what you are offering me. Thank you, but no thank you. And then we wonder, well, how come God won't let me go to heaven? How come God can't just look past my sin? God is holy. He cannot look past our sin. But He can accept us and forgive us if we accept Jesus. If we accept what He did for us. We understand that He died here. And he, we see this here in chapter 19 that He died for our sins. And I hope that you're saved tonight. And if you're not... You need to be. You need to get saved. And if you're a Christian, let's not forget what Jesus did for us.